just wait for the Facebook stream to start and then um, we'll start with the Mangalacharan prayers. Okay, I think it's going. So yeah, so welcome everybody. Let's start start with Mangalacharan. Om Manjana Timirandasya Yananjana Shalakaya Chakshurum Militum Yena Tasmai Shri Guru Namaha Sedanto Palasare Nityara Sikang Hong Sang Vilasatmakang Adaryakya Sedana Sevakadanam Vishramba Bhakti Pradam Yakya Yukti Vachakshanam Vagaveto Vashishta Shakya Sada Bande Hong Triparari Namakayating Shri Bhakti Vedantanam Vanchakalpaturubhyascha Kripa Sindhubhyevacha Patitanam Bhavanebhyo Vaishnavebhyo Namo Namaha Ajano Lambita Bhujao Kanakavatatao Sankirtanaika Patarao Kamalaya Takshao Vishwambarao Dijavarao Yugataramapalao Vandejaka Priyakarao Karunavatarao Vande Shri Krishna Chaitanya Nityananda Sahodito Kodadaye Pushpavanto Chitro Shando Tamonudao Vande Hong Shri Ramakrishna Abhaya Charana Sukhao Sukhadao Paramananda Sundaro Subalo Priyo He Krishna Karuna Sindhu Dina Bandhu Jagapate Gopesha Gopika Kanta Radha Kanta Namostute Tapta Kanchana Gorangi Radhe Vrindavaneshwari Prishabhanu Sute Devi Pranamami Hari Priye Vandana Korite Mui Kata Shakti Dari Tamo Budido Shemui Damba Matrakori Tatapi Mukera Bhagya Manera Ulas Doshakshami Modame Koroni Jadas So welcome everybody. Um, I'm just going to dive, dive right in. Um, so last time, as you know, we've been discussing throughout this series about refining our desi desires. So the, the title was Refining Our Desires. And so it's been about refining our desires and our motivations in our practice of Uttama Bhakti um, in order to overcome obstacles we might face, for example, especially as we're trying, many of us, myself included, trying to become situated in Ishta or steady devotion. So, it, so in exploring that, uh, last time we discussed some of the mechanics of karma um, and how, how no matter how overwhelmed we may feel by our material conditioning, we should be confident that if we have some faith in this process, on the ultimate level, there's no real obstacle. It, it may take some time for uh, the ink cup to be completely cleansed with the milk we're pouring into it. Sometimes that example is used, that we're pouring milk onto a cup of ink. Uh, so it may take some time for the milk to fully uh, eliminate all that ink. But, um, and there may be also some, some things that we can do ourselves to help facilitate the process. Uh, but ultimately, if we are sincere and have good guidance, then, then bhakti will, will lift all obstacles. So only the real obstacle is our own mentality toward the practices and things that sprout from that. So by refining our desire, especially through hearing more, uh, especially from those further along the path or what to speak of those realized in higher stages of the path from scripture and so on, um, then the men that mentality will also be refined anyway uh, through that practice. Um, 
And in that context, we also discussed the importance to avoid uh, criticism of the Vaishnavas, Vaishnava Ninda, uh, as this can and often does cause greater hindrances in traversing the path. We want to develop a favorable mindset toward Vaishnavas, e even those who might not be so like-minded, uh, or who it's, it's much better that we offer respect from a distance, let's say. Um, but as our Guru, our Guru Maharaj sometimes expresses it, that we, we should at least have a generous attitude towards each other. Because um, after all, especially for those of us trying to become fixed in the stage of Nishta, uh, trying to become fixed in being fixed, we've all got our hang-ups to deal with and to work on and like that. So for today, uh, I'd also like to bring up something from the previous session that I think will be a nice segue into today's topics. Um, and also to ask for forgiveness in case it caused any confusion um, in, in the, the way I was using the term yukta vairagya sometimes. Hopefully it didn't take away from the main topics being made. But um, as Shamananda Prabhu, he kindly pointed out that um, so the, the, the way I've been using dovetailing sometimes actually might be better sit, fit, fit with this term Aropa Siddha Bhakti, which uh, we're going to explore more today. So I, I was using it quite loosely, equating it with dovetailing. And in one sense, uh, Yukta Vairagya is also dovetailing. But strictly speaking, uh, this is when we're using the material energy in Krishna's service with a sense of detachment from the thing that we're dovetailing in Krishna's service. So there's a nice verse later on in the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, 1-2-255, where Rupa, Srila Rupa Goswami, he says, the Vairagya of that person who employs objects suitable for devotional development while remaining detached from them is said to be suitable for bhakti. The objects should be persistently related to Krishna. But, uh, so in some of this series, I've also used this, uh, the term, as I say, where Aropa Siddha Bhakti may be a more appropriate term. So for those who, who aren't familiar with this term, Aropa Siddha Bhakti, this is when we dovetail our material desires or things we want to enjoy ourselves into bhakti in some way so we may still be attached to something and want to engage these things somehow or other in, in the path of bhakti so for example i may have a desire to make a rap album uh, and because of my previous samskaras i like hip-hop and so i make a rap album that deals with transcendental topics and it's not because i think krishna particularly likes hip-hop I know he much prefers the ragas sung by, sung by the residents of Raj, for example, um, but I think it will be appealing to myself and also others who are materially conditioned. And so at least it will be spiritually beneficial on one level by dovetailing it in this way. But because it's tinged with some of my own desire to enjoy the medium I'm using and my attachment to it, to be strictly yukta vairagya is questionable, as, as Sham was pointing out. It's, it's more like Aropa Siddha Bhakti. So whereas let's take uh, Srila Prabhupada's use of the dictaphone, uh, he wasn't attached to using that technology. It wasn't he had a particular hobby or thing to enjoy dictaphones. <laughs> uh, he just utilized it as he saw fit in, in something much higher, um, utilizing the material energy in this way. So that said, um, the way Aropa Siddha Bhakti is sometimes defined is as um, endeavors indirectly attributed with the quality of bhakti. So as, as we're discussing, sometimes one example I've heard is brushing, brushing one's teeth is not directly an anger or a limb of bhakti, but would be an example of a Siddha bhakti. 
as it's in the context of looking after one's uh, sadhaka deha or spiritual practitioner's body to be able to serve properly. So I didn't have time to do too much research this week to look all, at all the details that separate Saropa Siddhabhakti and Yukta Vairagya. But as with many things, uh, I, I think there are shades in between the two. But for the context of refining our desire in this series, I think it's worth exploring what differs between the three types of bhakti um, that Srila Jiva Goswami mentions in the Bhakti Sandarbha and how we can refine our approach to them in the context of Uttama Bhakti uh, in order for us to make further progress. So, as I mentioned, uh, Aropa Siddha Bhakti is one form of Bhakti and, um, and on its lower end, it may be that someone desires to enjoy something materially, but offers the fruits to Krishna uh, to connect it somehow or other. So in, in the culture of Uttama Bhakti, which is what Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's school or Sampradaya is really about, we need to refine our motivations. And so some understanding of the distinction of these types of bhakti can be very useful. It, it, I think it's important to have these terms clear in our head as much as possible, because sometimes we see, and I, I've seen in my own practice of bhakti, that many things are lumped into the general term bhakti. But as we saw with Dhruva Maharaj, for example, he was all also practicing bhakti, but it was a mixed form of bhakti with, with a different motivation. So as we've discussed uh, in previous sessions, it's quite normal to have even material desires and attachments based on our material conditioning, even when we have decided that not even moksha is our goal, but rather Krishna prema is our goal. So in the beginning, though, those aspects of karma specifically the bija, and in some, case the some cases the prarabdha karma, for example, or manifest karma, has not yet been burnt up or altered, however the case may be. Um, but, but we aren't practicing our bhakti with an intention of creating more material desires or attachments, or at least we should be careful not to be, um, if we've understood um, Rupa Goswami's um, exposition in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. So rather, we, we are trying to purify, cleanse, or redirect these different attachments in the context of Uttama Bhakti. So after listing the limbs of Bhakti, which we'll speak a little on later, um, Srila Rupa Goswami says in verse 1-2-254, if a person has a taste for worshipping the Lord, even if he has strong material attachments, those attractions will, for the most part, be destroyed during sadhana, without resorting to vairagya. And then Srila Jiva Goswami, in his commentary, he says, Previously, vairagya was condemned at the beginning of bhakti because it causes the heart to become hard. However, if vairagya is forbidden, the person practicing bhakti will be filled with material desires, and having such desires is against the scriptures, for it is said, the person absorbed in material enjoyment is far from being absorbed in Krishna. How can a person go in East, catch an object moving to the West? To answer this dilemma, the author supplies this verse. Having a taste for bhakti will destroy attachment to material objects. Thus, the hardness of heart caused by the practice of vairagya, renunciation, will not take place. And, and still, detachment will manifest. At the stage of ruchi, or taste for bhakti, 
material attraction will be destroyed for the most part. The meaning is that it will be completely destroyed with the maturation of bhakti. It is not mentioned, but understood from this statement that the taste for bhakti not only produces vairagya, but also jnana. And he quotes, uh, Jiva Goswami quotes from Bhagavatam there, 127, by rendering devotional service unto the personality of Godhead, Sri Krishna, one immediately acquires causeless knowledge and detachment from the world. So we can be assured that if we become attached to engaging in the limbs of bhakti, and if we've got good guidance, these other attractions will disappear in due course. Aropa Siddha Bhakti is where we may want to enjoy something, we may have desires for certain things in this world, but we try to at least engage them in service somehow. So a classic example could be that, that I have a desire to achieve a certain position in my career or achieve a certain level of proficiency in a material area of my life. But I offer the results in some way to a spiritual purpose. Now, we may look at different areas of our life and at sometimes it may be that sometimes we are engaging in yukta vairagya, but with honest introspection, it may be that sometimes actually I have this aspect of myself that I need to express some, and you know, I, there's just something in me I need to express, or I have, have some desire and these things, and somehow I want to spiritualize it. And that's okay. It, it's not to demonize it. It's part of the process. It can, it, but it can be there even in the culture of Uttama Bhakti. And es especially if we can refine our internal approach to those things. So I, I've heard um, our Guru Maharaj sometimes speak about this type of bhakti in relation uh, to karma yoga. So as I, at least as I've understood it, um, Aropa Siddha Bhakti is the karma yoga in the culture of Uttama Bhakti. It involves uh, activity in the karmic realm, but it can be used for our spiritual progress. So let's say in, in the context of a, a desire for a career, we, we might be making donations, let's say, to support a Krishna conscious mission or project or shaping the rest of our life uh, with, with what we receive, the fruits we receive and our time so that we can engage in direct bhakti practices more, more often, something we'll get into shortly. But we don't uh, we, we don't or we shouldn't. We should try to avoid offering the fruits, for example, just to offset our karma, for example, um, in, in the culture of Uttama Bhakti. We, we do this knowing that we want the ultimate end result to be freedom from material attachments and more attachment for transcendence. So it might be the case right now to have a balanced foundation. Uh, there, there are parts of our, our material self that we need to express as we haven't yet become fixed enough in spiritual wisdom to retire them completely. But our aim is developing a higher taste, as Krishna says in the Gita. So our Guru Maharaj sometimes says, molding our lives so all aspects revolve around this principle of bhakti. For, for example, working to maintain ourselves so we can engage in Shravanam Kirtanam, for example. And, and how much we do so will be different for all of us, of course, uh, but we should, should at least know that that's the direction we want to walk towards. Um, so before moving on to the next two types of bhakti, that Srila Jiva Goswami mentions. I want to share some prayers that I, I've personally found very helpful um, in terms of my own inner refinement in Aropa Siddha Bhakti. 
um, and they're given by Srila Jiva Goswami in the Bhakti Sandarbhas in um, Anucheda 217 in, the, in this context. Um, and I came across them a while ago through a nice Vaishnava, some of you might uh, be familiar with him, um, Hari Prashad Prabhu. Uh, he, he appeared on um, Nam Ras Prabhu's podcast a uh, number of years ago. And since I heard them, I've incorporated them into a daily morning routine. For, um, and I, I personally find them very helpful to meditate on. Um, and if anyone would like me to send them, please feel free to get them in touch, get in touch, or I'll be, I, I can put a link in the comments on the, on the video up upload. But they go as, fo as follows. Yakritam yakarishami yakaromi janardana tubyameva kritam sarvang tvameva palabuk bhavet. Oh Lord, whatever I did in the past, whatever I'm doing in the present, and whatever I shall do in the future, I dedicate it all to you. You alone should also please accept the fruits of those acts. Mamasakarmani dushkarmani yadragas sorry. Mamasakarmani dushkarmani yadragas samanyang. I'm gonna have to look, look at them. You know, when you're on the spot uh, and then uh, you forget. Mamasakarmani dushkarmani yadragas samanyang. Tatsarvato bhavena bhagavad vishrayameva bhavatu. In all my good and bad acts, whatever attachment I have left, may that attachment be completely transferred to the Supreme Lord. Ya priti rabavekanam vishayeshvanapayini tvamanusmaratasame hridayanapasarpatu. O Lord, whatever attachment the sense enjoyers have for sense objects, may I have the same attachment for you. As I remember you, please let devotion unto you never disappear from my heart. Yuvatinam yata yuni yunam cha yuvatau yata mano piramate tadvan mano piramatan vai. O Lord, as the minds of young girls take pleasure in thinking of a young boy, and the minds of young boys take pleasure in thinking of a young girl, may my mind take pleasure in a similar manner in you. Uh, so, if we can develop this mood in all we do, refining our inner approach to all our activities, we'll be coming closer to this ideal of Uttama Bhakti that we've been discussing. So the next um, kind of Bhakti uh, or category that Srila Jiva Goswami gives is called Sangha Siddha Bhakti. And so these are endeavors associated or favorable to the cultivation of Bhakti. So sometimes these are seen to correspond with Jnana, uh, but again, in the context of Uttama Bhakti, rather than for Moksha, for example, so developing assisting qualities that will be beneficial for bhakti, but aren't bhakti in themselves. So a jnani may develop a sense of tolerance, simplicity, nonviolence, and similar qualities like this. But in the culture of uttama bhakti, we aren't developing them to withdraw from the world or to be liberated from the karmic realm. Uh, we will stay in the karmic realm if Krishna desires, but they're useful qualities to have as they turn ourselves away from a selfish focus to one of not taking from the world anymore, as our Guru Maharaj sometimes says, going from negative numbers to zero. Um, but, but as we know, someone can also develop these qualities with a desire for liberation or for other reasons. Uh, just as an example, someone practicing veganism may also uh, have an atheistic worldview for example, they, they're not striving for Uttama Bhakti, um, but they may also be cultivating nonviolence. But in the culture of Uttama Bhakti, 
We want to develop these qualities also, but as assistance to our main practice of cultivating our bhakti, not, not independently. So another side note worth mentioning uh, in relation to developing these good qualities is that in verse uh, 12261 of Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, Rupa Goswami says, basic rules of conduct, rules of cleanliness, and other desirable qualities and actions appear automatically in those who are extremely dedicated to Krishna. Thus, they also are not included as angas of bhakti. So it's important to know that things like cleanliness, nonviolence, truthfulness, and austerity that are often associated with the four regulative principles that Srila Prabhupada, for example, required of his disciples who took initiation from him, are not bhakti in and of themselves. Of course, an argument could be made for those who took such vows from Srila Prabhupada that they became bhakti in the context of following the instructions of the guru, but that's a whole other discussion in itself. But in and of themselves, they aren't directly bhakti. Uh, there, are, there are examples of many of these kind of qualities, apart from these four, uh, given in the 11th canto, where Sri Prabhuda Muni is speaking to Maharaj Nimi. And you'll find these kind of qualities like cleanliness, austerity, tolerance, simplicity, nonviolence, and so on. And these all would be considered Sangha Siddha Bhakti. So we should also certainly try to develop these. Um, they, they, they are important. But sometimes we may wonder when we look at all the whole whole list, for example, I, th I think in that section I was referring to in the 11th canto is like 26 qualities uh, given there. And some of them I know I've, I've got some work to do. Um, but some, so sometimes we may, may wonder why these good qualities have, haven't fully appeared in us. Uh, are we not devotees? So. In his commentary to this verse that I just mentioned, uh, where Rupa Goswami says that they're not angas of bhakti, but they come automatically in someone dedicated or extremely dedicated to Krishna, Srila Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur says, should the devotees in whom the good qualities do not appear on their own be considered to be actually non-devotees? This verse answers, Krishnan Mukham means extremely dedicated to Krishna, Krishna Ukritsa Mukam. For these persons extremely absorbed in Krishna, the good qualities spontaneously appear. So we would do well um, to take more shelter of bhakti directly and become more dedicated as we can. Not that we shouldn't try to also develop these other qualities, but not independently from the culture of bhakti and not with the understanding that they cause bhakti not thinking that if I just follow the four regs, uh, then bhakti is produced from that, for example. And so this leads us uh, to the third category, and that is Swarup Siddha Bhakti, or endeavors purely constituted of Uttama Bhakti. So good qualities will come naturally as we increase our dedication and commitment to such practices. And they can al also assist uh, our dedication and commitment to such practices as we develop. They, they work together. Um, so in, in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, well, we've all heard of the Navalakshan practices, for example, that uh, Sri Prahlad has given, uh, Shravanam, Kirtanam, Smaranam, and so on. And in, in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, 
Srila Rupa Goswami has given um, 64 main practices that he considers important in the culture of Uttama Bhakti. There are, of course, many, many more, and uh, Hari Bhakti Vilas gives more details on these things. Um, actually, Srila Rupa Goswami says in verse uh, 1272, innumerable angas of bhakti are explained in the Hari Bhakti Vilas. Among those, the most famous ones, to the best of my judgment, will be explained herein. Now, I don't intend to go through all 64 today, as there just isn't enough time. That's a whole seminar in itself. Um, but you can read them either in the text itself, or if it's not translated in your language, as it may not be for the Spanish-speaking devotees, for example, uh, Srila Prabhupada's Nectar of Devotion also goes through these. But in the context of refining our desire, I, I want to share a few things and especially um, emphasize that while uh, these other two forms of bhakti can assist us in our making progress, uh, we shouldn't neglect the main angas of bhakti. And this, this is where we want to develop our attachment as much as possible. For example, it's easy for us to kid ourselves uh, because we're very attached to something in our lives. That let me just do, the, do this Krishna, as is the case in Europa Siddha Bhakti, and feel that we're practicing Uttama Bhakti to the fullest extent. Um, as I say, it's okay to do this. Uh, it's not to dismiss that. I, I do it myself. Uh, and as I say, it will lead to purification. But to embrace the culture of Uttama Bhakti more thoroughly, it should be with the understanding of what it is we are doing and also with a view to be able to engage more in these direct practices of bhakti. It will be a much, much slower approach uh, to progress, to only engage in a Ropa Siddha Bhakti, for example, and to fool ourselves that it's the same as Harup Siddha Bhakti, and then to even neglect those practices, thinking that it's all one, <laughs> you know, that, well, I'm doing bhakti, it's all right. Um, lots could be said on that, but um, I, I, I think, um, yeah, that, you know, you understand what I mean. And, and rather, we should understand that these, these other, other forms are there so we can be balanced as we move in the world, uh, especially the more materially influenced we are. M many of us may feel that we're quite materially influenced. Um, and so, so the, these other forms uh, allow us to be even engaged in the culture of Uttama Bhakti while, while having some balance in the world. Um, according to our adhikar and so on. So, you know, we may need to fulfill what we need to in relation to our material nature, but with the desire of being, being able to embrace more and more bhakti practices themselves, and especially shravanam and kirtanam, for example. Um, so that, that is, you know, doing actions for love's sake, rather than adding love to a practice that we would likely do anyway, even if we weren't in the culture of Uttama Bhakti, uh, having been touched by Mahaprabhu's movement. So, as I say, whole seminars can be given on each of the angas of bhakti, but in keeping with the theme of refining our desire, I want to speak in a general way uh, on Swarup Siddha Bhakti and pick out um, a couple, just a couple of angas, just to make a few points that will hopefully be useful um, for us all to consider as we try to deepen our own practice and, and refine our desire or refine our motivation and these things. So most of us like to sing kirtan, of course, uh, and that's something we'll touch upon shortly. But also while doing so, 
uh, I'm sure many of you have the experience that we like to dance sometimes too, right? Chanting and dancing, as Srila Prabhupada said, that, uh, you know, it's chant, dance and be happy. So to dance, even to dance, is, is a specific anga or limb of bhakti, is specifically to dance before the deity. So in verse 12-127, Rupa Goswami says, Dancing before the deity is shown in the Dwaraka Mahatmya. He who joyfully dances with many emotions before the Lord burns up sins which have been produced during many hundreds of manvantaras. Then in the next verse, uh, 1-128, Srila Rupa Goswami goes on to say, It is also said by Narada, all the birds of sin situated in the body fly away for those who dance before the Lord with vigorous clapping of hands. Uh, so as a side note, it's great to enthusiastically clap your hands when, when you're in Kirtan and watch all those seeds of karma we were talking about last week burn up. Um, that said, however, we should be aware that this burning up of sins or of karma is a side effect. We shouldn't make this our motivation. Rather, we should know that these, limb, these are limbs of the body of bhakti. And so, so by clapping our hands, by dance, dancing, for example, that this is something pleasing to Krishna. Krishna likes bhakti, and, and these are limbs of her body. Um, so we, we should try to avoid the mentality that we're doing these practices, for example, to get free from future suffering. Um, but rather, that we're trying to be free from the obstacles we may face that can be minimized. Uh, so that we can be more steady in our bhakti practices like that. And this is true of all the angas of bhakti. Uh, earlier on in, in when he's listing, when Srila Rupa Goswami is listing um, the different angas of bhakti, in 1276, he gives this example of observing the ekadashi vrat as a limb of bhakti. Um, and actually is one of the important practices that serve as the door to entering bhakti, along with obviously the important principle three related to guru, uh, taking shelter of guru, receiving teachings and serving him with respect. Again, that's a whole seminar in itself. Um, but sometimes it's easy for devotees to get caught up. Uh, and again, I, I know from, from previous experience also, um, getting caught up in maybe even a karmakanda kind of mentality with regard to these practices, focusing on the burning up of sin, the sin aspect, rather than seeing them, seeing them as practices particularly bringing joy to Krishna. Because as we say, it's true, these practices burn up sin or karma, bad karma. Um, and there are many examples in Shastra where personalities even followed these practices inadvertently and received so much benefit. So how much more powerful if we consciously follow them? And then how much more so when we refine our desire, when we do it with the intention of pleasing Krishna and trying to make progress on the path of prema, you know, not being concerned with the karmic aspect, at least not outside of wanting to remove the obstacles that hinder our steadiness in the practice. So Srila Rupa Goswami, he confirms this later on, in verse 12245, when he says, in some of the verses quoted from the scriptures, material results are attributed to the angas for attracting persons possessing material consciousness. However, the main result of these angas is rati or bhava. And so uh, Srila Mukunda Das Goswami, 
who's a disciple of Krishna Das Kaviraj, and he also has a commentary on Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. Um, he, he says in his commentary to this verse that the scriptures have stated at places about the insignificant fruits of bhakti in order to create confidence in the minds of the indifferent and earthly minded peoples and thereby turn them to the way of pure bhakti for the sake of bhakti. That is to say, if people should take the way of bhakti, even propelled by the desires of earth or heavenly pleasures, then ever such fruit desiring mixed or alloyed bhakti becomes a cause of God's grace. And when God's grace is bestowed on one, the desire for non-devotional objects automatically vanishes from the heart of such as, as one who follows the way of sadhana bhakti. This is the real purpose of the author here. Even when Sakama devotees or mixed devotees pray from the Lord for temporary things of the world, the Lord, out of his infinite grace, offers them opportunities to relish the aprakrita bliss of desireless bhakti at his feet, which removes for all time all antler desires of earth or heaven. Um, so, you know, we, we saw, saw that in the case of Dhruva Maharaj, for example, that we, we've often referenced through this um, series. And Rupa Goswami referenced, uh, we spoke about, I think, two weeks ago. So if there's so much benefit and we can make progress, even as Sakama or mixed devotees uh, following these very powerful practices, then how much more so if we can refine our motivations uh, towards practicing them to make progress toward prema, unconcerned for the karmic aspect. Uh, that, that's there anyway, as, as I've said, even if we do it inadvertently, such as the power of bhakti. And, and sometimes uh, we've heard our Guru Maharaj use this example that these statements offering rewards, they're often like offering a candy or an ice cream to a child for cleaning their room, let's say. You know, it, it, it entices them to do something that would be beneficial for them uh, with, with a reward. But at the same time, it's also teaching them something higher. So, for example, a sense of personal responsibility for tidying their room, for example. And now, some people, of course, will be attracted to following some of these angas of bhakti for these karmic reasons. Many follow, for example, we just had Ekadashi here. It was on uh, Monday, sometimes called the Bhishma Ekadashi, right? And often there's, I see sometimes amongst devotees, there can be a mentality that it's making up for all the other Ekadashis, you know, that it's counteracting any sins committed on, on other, other Ekadashis on those days. Oh, I missed an Ekadashi, but if I follow this one perfectly, then <laughs> I'll make up for it. That will eliminate all my sins. But we, we in, in, in the culture of Uttama Bhakti, at least, we, we don't want to develop that mentality and we should refine it if we do have that there. We, and, but also we shouldn't disturb the faith of those who are fixed in that way at the moment, unless we have a teachable opportunity, as our Guru Maharaj sometimes says, that it's not, not about beating up others so they should come there without actually being there or developing in ourselves a feeling of superiority, for example, you know, oh, we're, we're purer than you, <laughs> you know, we're, we're not doing it for material desires. Um, obviously that won't be very, very favorable for bhakti. But if we wanna progress, ourselves, we do need to de desire it and refine it. Um, ultimately, we have to be the example, 
example ourselves, as Agur Maharaj often emphasizes that practice is better than precept. And I speak to myself here also, um, that you know, this is what will inspire others to take up and come to this other understanding, for example. And so I wanted to share something, something I really like. I like this mood of um, Srila Narutam Das Thakur in Prema Bhakti Chandrika, in his second song there, uh, regarding those actually, not even mixed devotees, regarding those who perform their practices to attain heaven. So yeah, mixed devotees of some sort, but I mean, on a much lower level, because uh, he's speaking about demigod worshippers even, and we know what Krishna says about demigod worship in the Gita. But Srila Narutam Das Thakur, he says, at least according to one translation, if one attains the planets of the demigods or pittas and enjoys celestial happiness there, then I congratulate him saying, well done, well done. However, I myself would never strive to attain such a thing. For myself, I am content simply to worship the divine couple and swim and float in the bliss of pure love for them. This pure love is the most valuable object in the three worlds. So, if someone, I love, I love this verse, I think it's very beautiful. And if someone is following an anger of bhakti, we should understand that that is very wonderful in itself and should be encouraged. And actually, as we know, we just read uh, from uh, Srila Mukundadas Goswami, that actually it will do a lot more than just give heavenly delights, uh, as he pointed out in his commentary. So we, we can also say, well done, well done, bravo, bravo. Unless, you know, we're in a position uh, where we can share, share another understanding, for example, and like that. But we ourselves, inside ourselves, shouldn't strive uh, for that. That's not what we should strive for. We should be striving to deepen our own attachment to Krishna, our own attachment to Guru, our own attachment to the Vaishnavas. Um, we're working to refine our mentality, no knowing these practices will help in that considerably due to their very power. We're refining in the direction uh, that, for example, Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur points out in his commentary to the Bhagavad Gita, in, in Bhagavad Gita 241. So he says, says there, My sadhana is to serve the lotus feet of the Lord, to remember and glorify him as instructed by my guru. That is also my goal, sadhya. It is my life-sustaining medicine, for I cannot give up the sadhana and the sadhya. This is my most desirable object, my duty, and nothing else is my duty. Nothing else is desired, even in dreams. There may be happiness or sorrow. Samsara may be destroyed or may not be destroyed. That is no loss for me. Let there only be resolute intelligence fixed in pure bhakti. It is said, my devotees should remain happy and worship me with great faith and conviction. Uh, Srimad Bhagavatam 11, 20, 28. The intelligence of others, however, is not eka. Those intellects are unlimited, ananta, rather than one, because of the unlimited desires to fulfill in karma yoga. The intellects have infinite branches because of the inf infinity of actions in their practices. So, incidentally, um, as another side note, um, Srila Prabhupada told his disciples that he became fixed in his mission to bring Bhakti to the West after reading this commentary 
uh, by Srila Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur and applying it to the suggestions that he had received from um, Srila Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur. So we also want to strive and, and try and develop that same kind of mood of seeking resolute intelligence fixed in pure bhakti. And if we, if we make this our desire, or at least desire to desire this, <laughs> then, then everything will follow. Uh, and especially if we become attached to the angas of bhakti with this mentality, we'll be going in, in very good direction, even if we have to face some discomforting obstacles along the way due to our attachments. Uh, I don't recall which episode it was, sorry, but something I believe Archana Siddhi said in, in one of the episodes of the messiness of a sadhaka's journey, um, these, these really beautiful um, interviews that have been going on. And she said, she said there that we're trusting Krishna is guiding every step and what is brought out will be, be for our benefit. And there's a, there's a similar um, quote from Srila Sridhar Maharaj that I really like, and I'm sure many of you are very familiar with, that no force outside can check us if we are sincere. Of course, for beginners, there is some concern about proper environment for spiritual cultivation, but even that is also dependent on the nature of their sincerity or sukriti. The assurance is given here by Krishna. He says, I'll be there to look after you in any unfavorable circumstance. I am omniscient I, and I am om omnipotent also. So if anyone is directed towards me, I will look after him. And it has also been seen in history in the cases of Dhruva, Prahlad and so many others. Sincerity is invincible. Even obstacles may improve our position if we can take them in the right way. From a higher angle of vision, it may be seen that everything is coming to help us. So this is why this refining is really important. It's how, how we view things really. And as we know, desire is a natural aspect of Krishna. He's also a being of will. An attachment is also natural. Krishna is attached to his devotees, for example. So we can use this principle of attachment, refine it, uh, and try to become attached to spiritual practices or to the internal energy of Krishna, the Sarup Shakti, which we find in these limbs of bhakti. So these other attachments that are causing obstacles may be strong in the early stages of bhakti, but we will gradually lose taste for them and may have some things also to learn from them even. Uh, and I'm sure we've all experienced that to some degree. Anyone listening to this, I'm sure, uh, even if other aspects of material conditioning may need some work in our, in our own lives. So uh, before I conclude, I'd just like to share a couple of things on arguably uh, the most important practices of bhakti and certainly the most important for us trying to come to steadiness and that's hearing and chanting. Uh, we obviously we'd be amiss not to mention the main anger of bhakti for us, chanting the holy name. So in describing this anger in 1.2.2.30, Srila Rupa Goswami quotes the Srimad Bhagavatam 2.1.11. O King, constant chanting of the holy name of the Lord after the ways of the great authorities is the doubtless and fearless way of success for all, including those who are free from all material desires, 
those who are desirous of all material enjoyment, and also those who are self-satisfied by dint of transcendental knowledge. And I'm sure you're all very familiar with that verse. I also, on that, in relation to that, I'd like to share this recent quote um, from Srila Satya Narayan Maharaj I read in a recent article about hearing and singing about Krishna and it being supreme uh, in practice. So he, this is just an excerpt from that article. It says, as in the case of hearing, Shravana, the sequence to be followed in the practice of Kirtan is to first sing Bhagavan's name, followed in order by his form, qualities, associates, and leelas. Furthermore, it is recommended that Kirtan should be of those devotional songs or verses that were composed and sung by Mahat devotees. At present, there are many devotional songs written by professional poets and singers. Listening to them or singing them is not recommended because the sentiments they contain are tainted with the poet's own subjective projections. Of all the names of Bhagavan, Kirtan of Krishna's name is supremely beneficial. And Kirtan of the Hare Krishna Mahamantra is most highly esteemed because it was chanted by Sri Krishna Chaitanya and his Mahat devotees. If the opportunity to hear from a great devotee has not yet presented itself, one should perform kirtan on one's own. In this case, the practice should be undertaken with the awareness that kirtan of these names was enacted in the past by great devotees. One should perform kirtan as a follower of one's Guru Parampara and not independently. So we shouldn't think that we have to wait for anything to sing Krishna's name. But we should refine our desire, and this includes our taking shelter of higher Vaishnavas to empower our kirtan, for example. And if we refine our desires to do so, for no reason but to come closer to Krishna and to his devotees, and to progress on the path toward prema, then nothing can really stop us. Um, we can always progress. I really, really like this answer our Guru Maharaj gave in a Sangha some years back to someone who was having a problem controlling their sensuality. And I think it's something most devotees have problems with, with in one way or another, if they've not yet fully come to Nishta, given the strength of our senses. Our senses pull us in all different directions, as, as I'm sure we're all aware. Um, and we may all have, that might manifest in different ways for different devotees. But until Nishta, that, that's quite a normal thing actually. And so the question to our Guru Maharaj was, for one who has a problem controlling his or her sensuality, what does he have to look forward to, i.e., how can he make progress? And so the answer given was, anyone can progress from whatever position he, finds, he or she finds himself in. Each person should endeavor to meet a standard of restraint that is realistic for him while engaging in spiritual practice, especially chanting Krishna Nam. If one comes to realize over time that one's realistic standard runs contrary to one's guru's guidelines, one should approach the guru and speak sincerely and openly with him. A proper guru, filled with compassion and love for his disciple, will make suitable adjustments, always encouraging, above all, the chanting of Krishna Nam. The chanting creates a bright future for us, whereas restraint is both a byproduct of the chanting and further supports the chanting, 
Never give up the chanting of the holy name under any circumstances, even if it may seem hypocritical at times, given the strength of your material desires. So the holy name will help, I think it's a beautiful quote, and many things uh, brought out there, but, but the holy point being the holy name uh, will help, help us cleanse our hearts from our attachments. To hear about Krishna and the ideal, this is also really important, to keep us deepening our commitment and taking shelter of these extremely powerful practices of bhakti. We're, we're really fortunate, for example, in our sangha, we, we have so much Qatar available to us. Uh, you know, working our way through the live classes and the Shabda Brahman website, for example, so many. Um, so with that, I'd like to end this series and conclude this series uh, with a wonderful quote from my Guru Maharaj, also from a Sangha, that not only emphasizes hearing about the ideal in one sense, but I, but I feel it, it encapsulates the message of this entire series that hopefully by my Guru Maharaj's grace will have come through. So there he, there he wrote, I encourage devotees to actually think of how Krishna charms the inhabitants of Vrindavan in the hope that this ideal will inspire them to attend to the serious work at hand, cleansing the heart. Cleansing the heart through spiritual practice, Vajana Kriya, does take time, but it is important to know why it is worth doing. Furthermore, a little experience goes a long way. However, a little experience is just that. And to get more taste for hearing, shravanam, and chanting, kirtanam, there is a lot in the way of heart cleaning to be done. Through chanting, one's negative impulses are overcome, anartha nivriti, and one becomes fixed in devotion, nishta. Continuing on in devotion, one attains a genuine taste for chanting, ruchi, and becomes fully attached to Krishna, a shakti. Then love for Krishna begins to dawn in one's heart, bhava, which is followed by prema, pure love for Krishna. Only after one passes through all these stages of devotion will prema come. So get serious about chanting and devotional practice. Then you can be sure that Krishna will show his full mercy in time and prema will come. So with that, uh, I'd like to thank my Guru Maharaj, uh, Srila Swami Bhaktivedanta Tripurari, by whose grace uh, I may hopefully have been able to speak something of substance over these last few weeks. And also I'd like to th thank um, Srila Padmanabha Maharaj, uh, who's kindly given this opportunity so, so that I can meditate on these topics myself in the hope I can also implement them. Um, and also everyone listening, thank you for kindly lending, lending your ears so we can engage in this process of Shravanam and Kirtanam um, together. So with that, that, that's all I have. And I, I'd like to ask um, if there are any questions, comments or corrections and, and like those kind of things. Uh, thank you, Hare Krishna. Pranam Madamohan. I'm Sakirati Devi. Hare Krishna, Sakirati. <laughs> Hare Krishna. Pranam Dandavan to you and all devotees. And I just wanted to give my appreciation for your series. It was really, really nourishing and clear and with a lot of substance and very well presented. I'm very impressed and I really like it. And 
this that's it that's what i wanted to say <laughs> thank you so much thank you very much I, I'm, I'm really happy that it's been useful it's been been a great exercise for myself also you know i'm i'm really thankful to have been been able to take part in it uh, and thank for your thank you for your dedication to keeping these things going as well you know i know you're doing so much so that we can actually have this shravanam <laughs> shravanam kirtanam so i'm not doing much but thank you <laughs> we're all doing together right in in the sankirtan <laughs> so, yes. And me, uh, Shamananda, I also I say the same thing. So, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Is there any other um, comments or questions? Or? Thank you so much. I see there's something in the chat there. Is that a question or no she's saying that she can't hear the audio it's not oh, as well okay. okay just um i'll leave a, a minute and then if there's no no other comments we'll we'll wrap up so, yeah so Thank you, thank you all. As I say, it's been been really wonderful. And I've been really, really. I haven't always been able to tune in uh, live for for so many um, just because of work related things and other things. But I, I've been trying to keep up as much as possible, and I've been really, really appreciate appreciating them very much. We're as I say, we're we're, we're really fortunate in our sango. Me and Mohini are often saying we we just feel feel very blessed. The amount of Qatar coming through, um, and just the warmth of our community too. So. Hare Krishna, thank you very much. Um, and yeah, I wish you all well in your, your practice of Uttama Bhakti and please pray that I, I can make progress in that also. Thank you. Krishna.